another episode of Grumpy Old Game Man and Their Dogs. It is day 319 here in the Zen Room, episode 99. My name is Patrick Finn, and I am here with the gelatinous Tommy Gibbons. Hello, bitches. <laughs> and how are you, you bitch? <laughs> you didn't like gelatinous? Who, d- <laughs> Who would be... Flattered by gelatinous. <laughs> I don't know, but it's the first adjective that came to my head. Wow. Yeah. So this is really about your psychosis. Yeah, probably. Right, go ahead. We'll do a Rorschach. Rorschach? Rorschach. Rorschach. Yeah. Go ahead. What's next? Well, it's the beginning. How was your week? Oh, my week was... Uh, I'm in pain, bitch. Still well, in pain from your back, oh, huh? man. And not getting better. No. So I sent a, 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 a patient portal message okay to i call her the traffic cop she's the gp she's my gp yeah she's the one who sends me everywhere okay so i said i had the audacity to wake up and go pee saturday night and i have not been free of pain or full of mobility since oh god please direct me to the appropriate specialty <laughs> and they called me that day and she took like not the doctor but her her Aid the camp. Okay. Went through a whole bunch of questions, and then they arranged for me to go see uh, orthopedic today. Okay. And he said, yeah, you heard your back. <laughs> He's like, wow, I really needed that diagnosis. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I went in, and I said I got up. I, I lived too long. I got out of bed, and I my back, I, like, wrenched i felt the wrench happen in my back and he said yeah yeah we used to call that um and he's younger than i am we used to call that throwing your back out or uh, or a back spasm yeah they still call it that i was like i don't give a fuck what where is like how do you fucking fix it where's the medicine yeah right so the medicine was waiting for me at my pharmacy when i uh, but it wasn't it's not painkillers no bitch i'm in pain yeah so hopefully it'll clear up okay I hope so. Uh, yeah, I didn't need to go to find out that it was a muscle thing. I knew it, was, it felt like a muscle thing. But usually, or up until this time of my life, two and a half weeks is a really long time to, uh, to be suffering a muscle Yes, it thing. is. That's a very long time. So, uh, it, and, it, and it, it wasn't getting better. Okay. So, that's why I was like, if it was getting better, I'd say, oh, and, and maybe it'll take 22 days. So, what do they prescribe? A muscle relaxer a for A muscle you? relaxer and a, and a steroid. Okay. All right. So, look at the time to kick in. Maybe my breasts will get bigger. <laughs> I don't think they can get much bigger. I don't think so either. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's ugly. Yes. It's just ugly. Aging is an ugly process. Oh, my God. Your body is. just, like, all of a sudden gets really dense and heavy. Yeah. And at the same time, twice as delicate as it ever was. Yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> Very. So, yeah, young, cute doctor. That always helps. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. He, he went over my torso with the, uh, whatever I want to say, the hearing thing. The hearing thing. They put it on your chest and they hear it. Uh, the, the, stethoscope. the stethoscope. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, the afternoon. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> what about you? Nothing really too new. Just been busy working. We, you know, middle of rehearsals for Times Square Angel. That's not uh, okay. about it, really. Been pretty quiet otherwise. Good. Yep. No, that means good we'll be out of here nice and early. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see. But I actually have an update from a story that we discussed last week. I love the updates. I knew you'd do. I, so. I, I, I like the updates. Well, this is about, remember we talked about that high school production of Oklahoma? Oh, my God. It was Allie Hackam, not Curly. 
Well, no, it was the, the a transgender boy was cast in the role of Curly, and then was told by the school principal that he would not be allowed to perform in the I, role. I think he was cast as Ali Hackham. No, it was as Curly. Where are you getting your information from? From the news. He was cast as Curly. Okay, go ahead. You keep talking. I know the story. I'm familiar with the story, but I'm okay. going to go into a net to prove you wrong. Well, you go look on the internet to prove right, me okay. wrong. Well, anyway, the school where this occurred at, Sherman High School, they had a board meeting this past Monday, and they decided to proceed with the production of Oklahoma with the transgender boy in the role of Curly, rescinding the earlier decision. They said they voted, the trustees at the Sherman Independent School District voted to reverse the superintendent's decision to revoke the student's part based on their gender. And they also voted to go with the original script, which I, I guess I can't implies... believe they had issues with that fucking script. I know. You gotta be... You, your ass has to be so tight that the you only find thing, something offensive the, in Oklahoma. The only thing I can think of, and because you just mentioned the character, is Ali Hakim. It could be seen. I, I mean, I don't. I, I don't have a script in front of me. It might be seen as an offensive stereotype nowadays. No, there were you know, there were objections. There were objections to like sexual things. Yeah, it was mostly about sexual things. Um, it seemed. I, yeah, you know, and Oklahoma's one of the fucking. I don't know what they object to. I know. I. I it's hard. To, it's it's hard. hard to find something to object to in, in Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah, maybe the little wonder. You know the kaleidoscope with the with the naked. Yeah, girl. that was the only, we talked about that last time. We never saw, uh, but, but you never but, see anything. It's uh, like uh, what? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't understand. But that, let me say that was good news at least to report. Yeah, that is good news, right? So now we'll move on to our very first segment. Yes, it's time for a little heavy petting. All right. And this story is a bittersweet kind of story, but it's a story that proves that a dog is loyal to its owner to the very end. Oh, I hate this story. I love this story, but, but it's so it's sad. sad. It's a sad story, too. There was this man, 71-year-old Richie M- Rich Moore. He and his uh, Jack Russell Terrier named Finney. They left on August 19th to summit Blackhead Peak, which is a 12... Thousand foot elevation peak in Colorado San Juan Mountains, and he never returned. But on October 30th, which is recent, uh, a hunter stumbled, stumbled across his remains, which was about two and a half miles east of the mountaintop, and the dog was there alongside him Where still. Lost half her size. Had lost half its body weight, uh, but it was otherwise in good shape. They, they figured that the dog likely survived on water from a nearby underground stream, and by capturing small animals like field mice and chipmunks to feed on. But I thought that was amazing. Was there basically for, what, 10 weeks, I guess? Yeah. Staying with that body. That's just, that's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Humans don't do that. No. No. But... Yeah, I was just I was just so amazed by that story. So like I said, it is sad, but like you I said, it's just something great about dogs. You'll see pictures of dogs lying on a on a on a grave. Mm-hmm. Or laying next to it like laying next to a coffin. Yeah. Or you know, I mean and it's oh it's never not completely heart wrenching. Oh, of course. It it definitely is. My yeah. God. How can it not be? You know. Yeah, the dog was sacrificing itself inch by inch. Yeah. To stand guard over his, his person, owner. Her, yeah. her, 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 her. I think it was female, the dog. I don't know. He was named Finney, so who knows? Okay. 
But yeah, so that was a story of that dog. Kind of sad. Yeah, that's that's right. But somebody's gonna take that dog and love it, and then she'll get fat again like she was supposed to. Yes, exactly. Although a dog climbing twelve miles above the earth is not really that 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 dog's got to be pretty skinny. I would think so, right? It's Jack Russell too. Yeah, we're not talking about like a boo boo. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Next, we move on to our canine compendium, our dictionary of dogs. I thought we were missing. A compendium. <laughs> and tonight, we there are no dogs on the letter Q, so okay. we are on to the letter R. No queer, queer, queer-eyed chicken hound? No, no queer-eyed chicken hound. Okay, uh, what are we up to? Uh, the letter R. R. Uh, Ridgeback. A rhododendron. <laughs> a rottweiler. No. A rat healer. No. A red... Crescent herding bunny dog. <laughs> um, R. Uh, Ben. Well, you're wrong on all those guesses, obviously. Well, clearly. This dog is from India, from southernmost India. Okay. It is called the Raja Palayam. Of course it is. Here is a India. here is a picture of it. I love to. See. Oh wow! Ooh, right. Oh wow! Okay. It's also known as the. Polygar Hound or Indian Ghost Hound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's named after this town in southernmost India called Rajapalayam. It is uh, 25 to 30 inches tall, weighs about 45 pounds, only comes in one color, milky white, has a short single coat. It has what they call a double suspension gait, which is similar to the trotting of a thoroughbred horse. Okay which I thought was kind of interesting. They are not fast dogs, but they are tireless and relentless and steady over long distances. They are loyal dogs. They make great guard dogs. In ancient times, they were used by villagers to guard crops, livestock, and produce. They were also used by Indian armies to attack cavalry horses. Oh, Right? Uh, nowadays, when used for hunting, it's primarily used to hunt wild boar. It can hunt by sight as well as by scent. Okay. And hunts alone or in pairs or in packs or with its yeah, own. It don't matter. Just let's go kill something. Yep. But that is the Raja Palayam. All right. I like the ghost dog thing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because it looks, that, well, that first picture looks kind of ghostly. Right, yeah, the color. All right. Well, yeah. Good on you, dog. Right? So that's the story of a Raja Palayam. It's a big ass dog. Yes, it they is. Look at that hump on his back. Right? Like, where's his ass? <laughs> Down here. Where's the, I mean, look at where the tail uh, okay, is. Okay, yeah. I wasn't sure if that was the tail yeah, or the where back the, leg. Yeah, where the tail begins. It's like down here, I down can't below. See, I can't see where the other leg is. That's right there. That's the other leg. Okay, right so, yeah, they, like, overlap in the picture. Yeah, but that's a low-hanging tail. I thought the dog was, like, looking at it, looking at what the... And it's, if something was stuck on its foot, like, you know, kicking your heel up. And oh, okay. <laughs> That's, I thought it was just a gay dog. Anyway, we now move on to our next segment. Happy birthday. A gay dog wouldn't have a hunch. Many back. happy returns. A gay dog would be arching his A back. very happy birthday. Yes, it's time for today's birthdays. Okay. And we have only one birthday one today. One birthday today. And it's a living person. A living person. 91 years old today. Petuna clock. How did you know that? Because there was something, something happened. I don't know. Oh, I can't believe you. 
guessed it already. It came, I didn't guess it. I knew it. It came in front of me, and I, I was like, oh, I never thought I'd use it again. Well, now you have. There it was. Good for you. She was born today in 1932 in England. Can you imagine? Beginning at the age of seven, she 1932 began... in England? In England, yes. God, the first couple of years weren't easy for Petula. No, no, they weren't. I'm about to tell you about them. But she began performing at the age of seven, and she made her radio debut uh, in 1942 uh, while attending a BBC broadcast with her father. What had happened was she was there with other children to record messages to be broadcast to members of their families who were serving in the armed forces during World War II. Now, hold on. I'm sorry. What part of England was she in? Uh, I think it was, was in London at the Because I'm thinking London got bombed out pretty badly right around this time. Yes, okay. where it was going to. Uh, it was about to be, right. And she was going to send a message to her uncle who was stationed overseas. That's a sweet idea. But they, the broadcast was delayed because of an air raid siren. Okay. And the other children there were getting nervous. The audience members were getting jittery. So the producers of this event asked if anyone would volunteer to sing to help calm down the audience. Okay. And this 10-year-old girl named Petula Clark volunteers. And she sings a song, uh, Mighty Like a Rose. All right. And calmed everybody down. They not only calmed everyone down, but when they finally broadcast the show, they had her sing again. Okay. And she then became known as, she was she became known as the Singing Sweetheart and also as Britain's Shirley Temple. Oh. She got her nickname, Petula, was invented by her father, who they believed, who, who joked that it was a combination of the names of two former girlfriends named Pet and Ula. <laughs> so that's how she got her nickname. She performed at the Royal Albert Hall in 1944 at the age of 12. Wow. That's like performing in Carnegie Hall. Yeah, here, it's the Royal you know? Albert Hall. It's got yep. the word royal right in it. Exactly. Uh, she starred in her, uh, her, fil her first film that year in 1944 called Medal for the General, wartime drama. She had her first hit record in 1954 with a song called The Little Shoemaker. And by, but by 1964, her record career was kind of foundering, but then she met up with a songwriter named Tony Hatch, and she released this song that he wrote. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown. Just listen to the music of oh. the traffic in the city. Great song. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. It's an iconic song. Yes, it is. And of course, that wasn't her only hit. Among her other hits later on were... I Know a Place, My Love, A Sign of the Times, I Couldn't Live Without Your Love, Color My World, This Is My Song, which was written by Charlie Chaplin, Don't Sleep in the Subway, which was probably one of my favorites, and the uh, Kiss Me Goodbye. She charted nine U.S. top 20 hits. Could between... you go back for a second? Yes. To the list of records. Yes. The first five. I Know a Place, My Love. I, um, who am I? Color my world. This is my song. No, never mind. Never mind. I'm sorry. It sounded like a gay hookup at one point. Okay. I know a place. There were a couple of titles. It was like, wait, I'm following a thread here that I don't think he's needing to do. Uh, but it didn't strike me the second time. She also co-starred with Fred Astaire oh, in the 1968 film adaptation of the musical Finian's Rainbow, for which she received a Golden Globe nomination. Good for Patola. Perhaps you recognize a song from the movie. Perhaps I, I do. I hear a bird, a glock a bird. Oh. 
Remember me to Blackamore Our things Remember me to Old Broadway. I hear a breeze, a river shallow breeze. It well may be it's followed me across the seas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But also, just to let you know, she's still active. She performed in a concert in January of this year, the age of 90. It was a, it was called Stephen Sondheim's Old Friends. And she sang the song, I'm Still Here from Follies. Of course you did. Would you like to hear it? Uh, of course I would. <laughs> I knew you would. It's such a hell of a song. But everybody, every woman over... Of course, she doesn't sound... No, she's singing it like she's singing it from the perspective the song is written from. Yeah, but well, uh, her voice isn't quite the same anymore. Play the fucking either. song. You don't need uh, the big to. voice. Let me see what she does with it. It's an acting thing, right here. Look times and bump times. I've seen them all, and I did. I'm still here. Rush velvet sometimes, sometimes just pretzels and beer, but I'm here. I stuffed the dailies in, in my, my shoes, strung ukuleles, sang the blues. Seen all my dreams disappear, but I'm here. At 90 years old. See, now, That's amazing. Now, here's the thing. That particular song, yes. if you sing it, yep. is powerful. Oh, yeah. That particular song, if you act it like she was doing, is just as powerful. Yes, it is. You don't need is. to sing the shit out of that song. No, you don't. And I've seen it overacted. Over, yeah, yeah. Liza usually does sing, like she does with some people. I think it was a Carnegie Hall. Dad's like, okay, go relax. This is only the opening of Act One, you know. But. The song tells the story. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Deliver the song. Deliver yep. the story in the song, and your pitches. You know, it's it's. There are some songs, some sometimes songs, where you have to be the singer. Yeah, I mean, this is a song of reminiscence. The, you yeah. know, and 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 survival. One of the one of the divas. I don't know if it was Elaine or B. Arthur had a thing about uh, singing that particular song, I'm Still Here, and about how women in their 40s were coming out and singing, I'm Still Here, and it's like, where the hell have you been? Like, wh- Yeah, you know, what are you talking you, about? What are you talking about? Yeah. Like, so what? You're still here. Um, but and, and it should be sung by somebody much older. Yep. And the genius of it is it's written to be sung by somebody in like an oxygen tent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you just... So, yeah, good for Petula. Good for Petula, right? Go to bed. Happy birthday, Petula Clark. We now move on to our next segment. Yeah, it's time for Bring Out Your Dead. All right. And there's only one kind of famous person who died this week. Okay. Was an attorney or and federal judge or former federal oh, judge. This is, uh, Her name sister. was Marianne Mary Trump, Trump Barry. Now, is Mary Trump named for her? Do you think? I don't know. I think Marianne is the oldest. The eldest. The eldest. She's the older. She's older than Donald Trump. Yes. And then there or was Fred. was older. I should say. <laughs> and then there was Fred. Well, Fred's his father. Who's the oldest son? Who's Mary's? Father. I don't know. Okay. I don't know the whole family history. There was another son born. Trump is not the first born son. Right. 
Okay, but they tortured the son who was because he had no interest in what Fred was yes, doing. Yes, exactly. Mary is his son. Okay. Everybody blames Donald and the father for like driving this man to death because of the way they tortured him. Right. Because, okay, so he, Marianne is the eldest sister. Right. Okay. She became an assistant U.S. attorney in 1974, was appointed to the U.S. District Court for the District of New Jersey by... President Ronald Reagan in 1983. In 1999, she was appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit by President Bill Clinton. But just to show you that it seems that corruption seems to run through the Trump family, in October of 2018, the New York Times discovered a filing that she had made to the U.S. Senate as part of her federal judiciary confirmation in 83, in which she reported a $1 million contribution from a company called All County Building Supply and Maintenance. The Times found out this was a sham company formed in 1992 and was owned by Barry, Donald Trump, there's other siblings, and a cousin, and reportedly paid for work at performed at Fred Trump's apartment building, and then those buildings then reimbursed the company, but fraudulently added extra money to those reimbursements. So the tax experts indicated that the base of the company performed no real work, and that the transfer of money through the corporation was essentially a gift that evaded the 55% tax in place at the time. Which is the legacy. That's what that's what Fred left his kids. Yep. So then following the opening of an investigation by the New York State Department of Taxation and finance and the second circuit court of appeals she announced her retirement from the bench in february of 2019 okay okay yes and she was estranged from her brother donald trump she was not a fan of his presidency you don't see much of the extended family coming up and saying anything all the maples except for mary trump mary trump yes has made a career out of Bashing Uncle Donald. Yes, exactly. And and her cousins. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story of Marianne Trump. Marianne Trump. She did now. Yes, she is. Rest in peace, Judge Barry. Now you are dead. You are very, very dead. (laughs) Yes, I like those. (laughs) (laughs) We now move on to our next segment. History. You ever find out who's playing Patsy? What do you mean? Coming up. What They're opening spam a lot again. Yes, I know, but I don't know who's playing who in the cast. Go ahead, give us I don't think answer. there's any big names. No, I think you're completely wrong. Oh, if you say so. Go ahead. Anyway, today in history, it's all about theater. Because on November 15th, 1956, this show opened on Broadway at the St. James Theater. It was an adaptation of a comic strip with songs by Johnny Mercer and Gene DePaul. The cast included Edie Adams, Tina Louise, Julie Newmar, and Stubby Kay. was choreographed by Michael Kidd. Uh, Kidd and Edie Adams both won Tony Awards uh, for this show. Let me see. I'll play if I can find a clip for it, of it for you and uh, maybe you recognize the song. It's... um. Oh, I Little Abner. Oh, you already knew it. Well, I gotta play a piece for the audience. Oh, anyway. right, well, yeah. To leave the charge that took us safe to the rear. Why it was Jubilation Tea Card Old Tutor of Hard Hall. Jubilation Tea Card A man who knew no fear. When we almost had him, but the issue still was in doubt. Who suggested the retreat that turned it into a round? Why it was? I never done that show. Uh, 
Yes, I have some Lil Abner. Can we go back one second, please? Yes, to what? To Spamalot. What about it? Well, we find out who's playing Patsy. Okay, who's playing Patsy? Christopher Fitzgerald. I don't know the name. Okay, Christopher Fitzgerald. He he was the original Farquad on Broadway, among other things. Okay. Okay. Uh, Leslie Kritzer, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer is playing the lady in the lake. Taryn Killam? Sounds like a name I should know. No, from Saturday Night Live. Ethan Slater? Uh, he was in, he starred in SpongeBob, the musical. Okay. Why does the name Slater sound like it's... Maybe you're thinking of Christian Slater? There's no Ethan Slater that's like sort of parallel to that? Ethan Slater is a Broadway actor. Okay. He played SpongeBob in okay. SquarePants. Okay, I saw him do that. Michael Urie. Okay, another performer. Yeah, you know that name. Yeah, but isn't he part of a band? No, that's a different Yuri. I can't. All right, I can't. I think. There's, I don't know. There were just too many fucking people. Okay. Anyway, that wasn't the only show besides... Oh my god, I'm totally lost on what we're talking about. Anyway, I'm... Fuck it. I'm just gonna go move on. Panic in the Disco. <sighs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> Take a breath. You, you're doing it again. You, you go off on these fucking tangents and totally take me off rail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> shut up! Shut up! We now move on to the next show that opened today on Broadway in August, uh, November 15, 1989. It opened at the Music Box Theater with Tom Hulse playing the lead and Stephen Lang opposite him in a play written by Aaron Sorkin. It was a military drama. Oh, uh, uh, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, well, that's a line from it, yes. It's, is that from it? That's from it. The Kane Mutiny. No. no. No, no, that's earlier. Shit. I don't remember that. We're either. the Marines. We're just looking... <laughs> yeah, the, the Marine. Um, for yeah. a few good men. Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> I, I don't know the name of the play. That's the name of it. A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men. <laughs> oh, my God. But it was actually based on a, an actual event that happens. There was this, I guess, Marine who was complaining about conditions at Guantanamo Bay Naval Base at the time. This was back in the 80s. So there was a group of 10 other fellow service members who decided to haze him, called a Code Red. And the character that Jack Nicholson famously played in the movie, Colonel Jessup, was based on this man named David Cox, who was one of the 10. Okay. In actual life, seven of the 10 members... A plea, a plea bargain to a lesser charge or whatever. Three of them, including Cox, decided to go to trial. What did they do to him? Uh, they, well, they basically beat him and he ended up dying. Actually. He died. He died. But Cox was only found guilty of simple assault, uh, for which he was sentenced to 30 days and he was honorably discharged at the rank of corporal. He, weirdly enough, in January of 1994, he disappeared... And a few months later, his body was found what? along a riverbank in Massachusetts where he lived, apparently murdered. It's like, wow, that's kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it's, I think the military attracts uh, a, some of a certain type of people. I guess so. I don't know. Have you ever have you ever done a production of A Few Good Men? No. I've yeah, always wanted to do something by Aaron Sorkin, though. I did the Farnsworth invention. Okay. In which I'm I had not too an, familiar in with which that. I had an email discussion with him about the play. Uh, I mean, I love the way he writes. I love the, the language he uses and the way he uses it. Most of the time, like I didn't like that film production of the Chicago Seven that he that he wrote. I didn't like that. I think I saw that. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't there were I had some quibbles with that. Nobody hits a home run every time. Mm. True enough. If he never did anything aside from the West Wing, I think that's a brilliant piece of writing, and it's, he did it for years. Yes. 
Oh, definitely. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, on November 15th, 2018, this musical opened on Broadway. Written by the music by Matthew Sklar, lyrics by Chad Begellin, and book by Bob Martin. Nominated for six Tony Awards. The Jersey Chaperone. No! I'll play this little number from it for you. People say, and when you're through, no one can convince us we were wrong. All it takes is you and me and a song. What year? 2018. Frozen. Nope. It was then later made, a film adaptation was later done, uh, by net, released on Netflix on December, in December of 2020, directed by Ryan Murphy, starred, um, Meryl Streep. Oh, don't even. Keegan Michael Key, uh, what is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, James Corden. Still isn't coming to you, huh? No. Uh, is it the prom? Yes, it is the prom. For those of you who don't know, it's about a high school girl who is prevented from bringing her girlfriend to the prom. And a group of, a group of people from Broadway decide to get involved and stir up some trouble because of that. Now, the youth theater program mm-hmm. uh, just did it. Like last weekend. Okay. Like last weekend. It seems a number of theaters are now doing this show. I'll tell you what. From First of all, it's longer than I think people think it is. I don't know if that's just me, because I didn't think it was as long as it is. It is fairly long. Full on two and a half hours. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're a strict about your intermission. Laughing throughout all of Act 1, like from the beginning to the end of Act 1, that audience laughed the entire time. I'm sure. And then Act 2 is always different because now you got to catch up and finish telling the story. And yeah, it's got to all the loose ends up. Exactly. It's, you know, it's easy to be funny with people establishing songs. Yeah. But now you got to fucking, what happened? All right, so there's, so there's less of that. But uh, uh, audiences left that show happy. I'm sure they did. Everybody seems to enjoy the shit out of that show. I, I'm just afraid it may become the Mamma Mia of Long Island Community Theater. <laughs> Where you know, everybody's they be all, doing a production they, of it. They all are. Fiddler is. How the music is. They all There are these things that people do that, and companies do over and over and over again. And they do it for a reason. Because people like them and they sell tickets. I know. Okay? So, a company has to do what a company has to do. It's yes, not I that, know that. Okay. This is not my um, my spiel here. But, but it's... There shows that just people do because people enjoy them. This is an original musical with original music written for it. This is not... Like one of the jukeboxes. No. It's where not. they squeeze they oh, yeah. squeeze a uh third rate story into what is arguably second rate pop music. Yes. And make a trillion dollars. So what the fuck do I know? I know. Except that it's not the same as Mamma Mia. At least it's original. Yes, at least it's original. I'll, I'll say that much. And I enjoyed the film adaptation of it. Okay. Although a lot of critics seem to have a little Big problem with James Corden's portrayal, saying he was doing a gay stereotype, and I was just like, maybe that's the way the character's written. <laughs> He's totally a gay stereotype. That's the yes, because I saw the kid who did it. It just seemed like, because I know James Corden is not very popular right now. Yeah. It just seemed like another reason for people to attack him again. Well, he was in everything for fuck's sake. Oh, well, of course, you know. Um, I have no problem with James Corden except that I hear he's rude to service people. Yes, and I find that. Um, Offensive, no matter who does it. I know. Oh, you want to see the clip of him with Patrick Stewart at some award ceremony? Really? Oh, my God. The two of them 
Really? Just go back and forth a little bit. Trying to do it in a joking manner, but... He said something about how old Patrick Stewart was. I think and Patrick was Stewart said something about how fat he fat, is. Fat, 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 fat. <laughs> right. Right, right, yeah, right. It, it was like, oh my God. Well, you know what? Patrick Stewart's... Fuck you. He, what, what does Patrick Stewart have left to prove? Who does he have to be nice to? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Anyway. Nobody knows. <laughs> we now move on to our next segment. The trouble. What day is it? Could you please tell me? What day is it? I'm confused, you say. Yes, it's time for what day is it? Shepherd's Pie Day. It's Shepherd's Pie Day? Shepherd's Pie Day. I didn't see that on my list of days for right. today. Um, <laughs> it's um, uh, Dog Boo Gone White. No, it's not Dog Poo Gone White Day. Okay. Uh, aviation. International Aviation Day. No, it is not International Aviation Day. All right, I never win on this one. Well, anyway, first of all, this week it is this week is Transgender, transgender Awareness week. week. Right, 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 right. Which I was not aware of it until our transgender nephew Joshua brought it to our attention. And so now uh, that's awareness. Yes, it is. So it's a sort of like having the day makes people aware, even if it's one short, bulging homosexual at a time. Um, I'm trying to justify all of these days, is what I'm saying. Okay, well, it's a week. Um, it's Transgender Awareness Week. Week. Okay. Does it take most people a week? I don't know. It might. Considering the ignorance in the country, it just might. It might. Right. Okay, good. But it's not only Transgender Awareness Week. Okay. Today is also... The Day of the Imprisoned Writer. Okay. It was a day started in 1981 by a group called Penn International. All right. Which is intended to recognize and support writers who resist repression of the basic human right to freedom of expression and who stand up to attacks made against their right to impart information. Okay. That's, yeah. a, that's a good thing to observe. That's a big, uh, it's a big ask, uh, on the other hand. Well, I mean, it's, it's occurring today. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, it's occurring over in Russia. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, a, like it's occurring in, in, I'm sure, in Palestine. I'm sure Hamas is not letting any any journalists, contrary to their views, get by, you know? Africa, parts of Africa. Yeah. Parts of the United States. Yeah. Uh, probably not Canada. Probably not Finland. You know, it's too cold in Finland to give a fuck. Yeah. That's probably true about most of Canada. Do you know that most of Canada lives south of... Most of the population in Canada live south, more south than, than an equal number of Americans, I want to say, because they all live right around the Great Lakes. Okay. Right in that area, right along the... And the rest of that fucking country, all them islands and shit up there, all that brick... all Arctic. Barren land! Yeah. Ain't nobody up there but the polar bear. But, like, truly, most of that country is unpopulated. It's just this vastness. And everybody who lives, like, north of Chicago... <laughs> It is north, like that's all of Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, which I think those three should have been Canada anyway, right? They're pretty much Canada. They were. <laughs> We've had this discussion before. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like it's, okay. So we're talking about countries who um, jail dissent, dissonant writers, dissenting writers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm a fan of dissent. Me too. Big fan of it. All right. But today is not only the day of the imprisoned writer. Today Give is me a name. What? 
imprisoned writers. Are we talking Oscar Wilde? Does he count? Well, it's a past imprisoned writer. Okay. Alexander Solzhenitsyn. He was imprisoned for a long time. Who's the guy from South America? Uh, Nelson Mandela. No, but he South was, Africa. South Africa. From South America? Who are you talking about? Lorca? Well, I think he was killed for his his political views. Garcia? Uh, you're talking about... Uh, Gabriel... I can't think of his full name. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I know who you're talking about, but yeah, he was just killed primarily for his political views. Okay. All right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's not only the day of the imprisoned writer. Today is also National Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day. Oh. Which is ideal since Thanksgiving is coming up next week. See, people plan this shit. Yep. You need those. You need that room for those leftovers for afterwards, and even before you have the meal that you're gonna you throw out store. before Christmas. Right. You have that food that you're gonna need to store. Before you throw it out. Do you know what are the, are the dirtiest parts of the refrigerator? I'm going to say the doors. Nope. I'm going to go with the handle. Nope. I'm going to go with uh, the back wall. No. Tell me. It is the meat and vegetable drawers. And why is that so? Probably because of food decaying in there or being left in there. So okay. that kind of would make sense. Okay. Breeds bacteria. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Rotting flesh, rotting vegetables, rotting rotting things. Yeah. And lastly, today is National Bunt Day. Okay. Cake or yes. or baseball? No, not sport. baseball, the cake. National Bunt Day. Bunt cake. They should say Bunt Cake Day, no? Well, no, they, they say National Bunt. It says the mold of the Bunt Pan was inspired by a traditional European fruit cake known as a Google Hoof. And then the 1950s and 60s, the company Nordicware designed the mold for what they trademarked as a bunt. That's what they trademarked the pan as. And then... To it, make Google Fluff? To, well, to make what they then called a bunt cake. But it was based on this earlier cake called the Google Hoof. It's fucking Rose Island we've come into over here. <laughs> So, I was at the... I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent. Really? What a fucking surprise! Bookmark where we are. So, I'm at the... I'm at the... Uh uh, I'm at the orthopedic today, and he's a young, good-looking Italian guy. And he says, um, uh, where do you live? And I told him. And he said, oh, my God, I have family who live in Iceland. He said, I, he struggles to remember a name. And then he goes, well, where do you live? And I said, well, I live here in what I call, uh, it's, it's called Greenview Village, but I call it Shady Pines. And he laughed, and it occurred to me. Shady Pines is pretty much an inside joke. It refers directly to the Golden Girls. Yes. And it, it would seem to indicate one of two things, age or gayness. And I think you could tell on one side or the other who somebody is when they react to or if they know what Shady Pines refers to. Okay. And he did, but I didn't get a gay vibe and he still looked kind of young, but he had that sort of weird front pattern baldness. Okay. Everything else was nice and full, but in the front and the center, it yes. was like, bitch, where you going? So, um, yeah, it's like... It occurred to me that that's sort of a, a social marker. You know people by where they know Tim Curry from. Of course. So you know people by where they know whether or not they know uh, Shady Pines. Okay, now, where were we? We were discussing National Bunt Day. Yeah, because Rose Nyland got up in there. Fufushnutsch. Googlefoots. Well, anyway, sales increased after the book, after the pan was mentioned in the 1963 
good housekeeping cookbook. And then in 1966, sales increased dramatically when a bunt cake called the Tunnel of Fudge took second prize at the annual Pillsbury Bake Off and won a $5,000 prize. Stop. Tunnel of Fudge. Yes. Isn't that a gay bar? <laughs> I don't know if it is, but it could be. It's definitely a position. <laughs> but I think... But I guess it has to be in the shape of a bunt pan. Now, this is the, my second question, much less interesting than Fudge Road, is what does bunt mean? B-U-N-D-T, right? Uh-huh. What does it mean? And how did it become the stand-in for Foofle Google? <laughs> Google hoof. Google Hoof. I know you would have to ask Nordic where. They're the ones who trademarked the name for it. I don't know the origin of the word. So the word bunt. Yes. We don't know what it means. It was it's, it was the trademark name assigned by Nordic where. So it could be just a made up word. Could be. Ozempic. Well, yes, exactly. Okay. 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 I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. Oh, my God. I think that we're done with that. So, yeah, the Chocolate Fudge Road. Come on, Patrick. That was fucking. You didn't think about that when you saw that? I didn't have to. It's what I have you here for. God, it was right there, man. It was right the fuck there. Up the old dirt road. No, that wasn't what Have you ever partaken of a tunnel of fudge? Not a cake. <laughs> I bet. Anyway, we normally do turn your head and cough, but there's really nothing to discuss health-wise this week. <coughs> Just get your shots. Oh, God. Get vaccinated, people. Stop it. Grow up. Right? But we now move on to our next segment, which in we take a look into my briefs. <laughs> Yes, it's that time again. And tonight we'll be talking about the U.S. Supreme Court. You're right about Bunt. I was right about Bunt. Yeah, it seriously means nothing. Okay. The Supreme Court. Oh, my God. These fucking guys. Yeah, well, they announced on Monday that it was adopting its first code of ethics. Releasing a document that largely mirrors the code it's imposed on the rest of the federal judiciary. But nothing in this document says how this code of ethics will be enforced. (laughs) According to the documents, the chief justice has directed court officers to undertake an examination of best practices in other court systems for potential enforcement mechanisms. But it doesn't provide any kind of timeline for that review to be completed or what the court's going to do with that information once it gets it. Or what penalties might be. Yeah. Uh, Also, part of the commentary on this code states, In many cases, these canons or rules are broadly worded general principles informing conduct rather than specific rules requiring no exercise of judgment or discretion. In other words, we're going to still do what we want. We want. Okay. Um, And isn't there something about how you have to knowingly... Be breaking the rules? That's another thing they add in quite a few times. They yeah. add, a judge must knowingly be doing this. So if you're on a boat with a donor and you don't know that he's donating a million dollars to your campaign... You're in the clear. You're fine. You're in the clear. Correct. Okay. But they also had, took some syntax changes also. For example, in the existing code for federal judges, there is a code that says, a judge shall disqualify himself or herself in a proceeding in which a judge's impartiality might reasonably be questioned. In the Supreme Court's adopted code, it says, a justice should disqualify himself or herself in a proceeding in which the justice's impartiality might reasonably be questioned. (laughs) In fact, the word shall does not appear 
anywhere in this code. Yep. Should, could, would, do you mind, baby? And then when it talks good. about appearances before various groups or anything, it's, oh God. it says this. Well, okay. It says, in deciding whether to speak or appear before any group, a justice should consider whether doing so will create an appearance of impropriety in the minds of reasonable members of the public. Except in unusual circumstances, no such appearance will be created when a justice speaks to a group of students or any other group associated with an educational institution, a bar group, a religious group, or a nonpartisan scholarly or cultural group. So I'm asking. So they just created all these loopholes. Who else, except for any of those people that you just mentioned, those groups, who else is inviting the fucking Supreme Court to come speak at their gathering? Thank you. Right? It ain't the Knights of Pythians. No. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's just... It, you, you know what? It becomes insulting. It is insulting. Like I see, I know what that we is. We know what you're doing. We this know, is bullshit. And it's meant to address. And this is why the Congress needs to codify the Federal Code of Ethics for the Supreme Court. So that it does have the imprimatur of law and that it be provided with an enforcement mechanism. Well... Any law without an enforcement mechanism is only a suggestion. Am I wrong? But more times than not, it's followed. I mean, there are independent offices of general counsel that will rule on certain things for other agencies. You know, they will took a look at something. Why? So why can't the same thing be applied to the Supreme Court? Right. Where there's some kind of independent board, maybe made up of former justices or former federal judges who would be in charge, who basically served as like the ethics committee or the bar committee okay. for the Supreme Court, you know? So I'm thinking like ex-presidents, except Jimmy Carter, he's not going to die, is he? He's just not. He's hanging on. He's been in hospice for like 11 years. Yes. It's amazing. But I know what you're saying, like a group of elder statesmen who are perhaps retired and yeah. have the time to sit and ponder things like what should... what Let them serve as a review board what for should, the Supreme what should Court. We, what, what should we hold the... What standards should we hold the Supreme Court to? But we don't want to be as strict as the standards we hold the guy who's taken traffic ticket court. That judge... <laughs> We don't want to be as strict on the Supreme well, Court. Well, that would be a, we that's a, that's that, judge. that kind of a judge is more of a state court judge. We're talking about federal uh, judges. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean. You're parsing by fucking jurisdictions. <laughs> Suck my jurisdiction, okay? You find it. <laughs> you get it hard, and I'll still be in the car. <laughs> on that note, I think we'll move on to our next segment. Why? Why? Yes, it's time once again for the week in fascism. We're going to be here for days. On this one, yeah, this is going to be a, a little bit of a long one. How far into till we get to the word uh, rodents? Um, we're going to get to that. Okay. And that's basically what stemmed all this, is Donald Trump's recent comments... He made a rally on Veterans Day, which he later reposted on his Truth Social site. What was the word? Vermin. Vermin. We're gonna we're gonna get to that. All right, all right, all right. I just want to know what kind of headspace to be in. <laughs> <laughs> 
That, can I have a lighter, please? You sure can. <laughs> go ahead. That is just a small... You need to go back and look at everything Trump has said since he's been running for election, and also this project called Project 2025, which is an offshoot of the Heritage Foundation, which is basically responsible for the current makeup of our U.S. Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Right, right, right. 30 years in the making, 40 years in the making. So basically, Trump's been making pretty clear what he would do in his second term in likely coordination with this Project 2025. And I want people to listen to these are things that he has said or has agreed with with the project 2025 First, he wants to strip tens of thousands of career employees of their civil service protections. He said that that way they can be fired as he seeks to totally obliterate the deep state. And, of course, he would specifically target people linked to those prosecutions against him for retribution. He wants to basically gut the the Department of Justice. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. He wants to basically gut the Department of Justice, basically put in cronies and loyalists who were not there to uphold the law, but to protect him. But hold on. We got to go back one, because in order to fully understand the impact of the first thing about getting rid of the civil service, the career civil service employees, yeah. the impact of that kind of thing goes far beyond raising an unemployment rate. That, I mean, these people have spent years and worked under administration after administration after administration, yeah. upholding the ideas of the department that they work in, believing in it, yeah. and doing the best they can. These are the people who have been, what do I want to say, in good faith? Do you know what I mean? These are the people who are doing, like... like They're civil servants. They're working there for the government, you know? they're uh, Yeah, and they're doing... They're not doing it based on, on political ideals. Otherwise, I know. they wouldn't be there for 20 years. Yeah. I'm sorry, continue. Right, I'll so continue. You're so upset. I know. Well, th- there's a whole lot more. As to immigration, he wants to oh, direct... Geez. He wants to direct the U.S. Immigration Customs Enforcement to undertake the largest domestic deportation operation in American history. He said he would target people who are legally living in the United States but harbor, quote-unquote, jihadist sympathies and revoke the student visas of those who espouse anti-American and anti-Semitic views. Okay. In a bid to secure the border with Mexico, he Trump said he would move thousands of troops currently stationed overseas and station them on the border, and that he would shift federal agents, including from the FBI and the DEA, to immigration enforcement. And, of course, he wants to build more of the border wall. He okay. also wants to reimpose his travel ban that targeted seven Muslim-majority countries. And he wants to expand it to, quote-unquote, keep radical Islamic terrorists out of the country. Well, that's where he's going. He's going to go. He's going to go after every college kid with an Islamic-sounding first, last, or middle name. Yep. Well, he's basically said he has pledged to put in pace an ideological screening of immigrants yeah. from now on. Yeah. Also, he said to deter my... Migrants, he would by executive order end birthright citizenship, yeah, which is guaranteed under the 14th Amendment. Yeah, so I don't, it's foundational. Yeah, he would also require that uh, federal agencies that they will be prohibited from granting automatic citizenship to children of people who are here illegally. Unbelievable. It would require that at least one parent be a U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident for their children to be eligible for passports, social security numbers, and other benefits. A decision to be made by whom? Who else? By him. He wants direct control over many of these agencies as possible. But by way of, like, 
like, like he's not going to decide whether or not the Hernandezes can stay in America or whether or not Julia Hernandez is a citizen based on her father's work history. In America. I mean, he's not making that decision. Of Who's course making not. that decision? His followers that he's going to install. He's going to appoint these people. Yep. All right. He's also going to institute a system of tariffs, perhaps of, of perhaps 10% on most foreign goods. Penalties would increase if trade partners manipulate their currencies or engage in other unfair trading practices. All right, so tell me that what that would mean. It would mean any any products that we import from other countries, there would be a 10% tariff on, which means we would be paying more. Oh, of course we would, okay. Then he also would urge Congress pass a re- Trump Reciprocal Trade Act, which would give the president to authority to impose a reciprocal tariff on any country that imposes one on the U.S., Okay. But wait, there's more. Okay. He also claims that but before he's inaugurated, he'll have settled the war between Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, which, he's going to give Russia Ukraine. Well, he says he's going to end the endless flow of American treasure to Ukraine, which means he had no more military aid. And he's going to ask European allies to reimburse the U.S. for the cost of rebuilding stockpiles. <laughs> He also says he will continue to fundamentally reevaluate NATO's purpose and mission. In other words, he's going to look to withdraw from NATO. Yeah, because he, yeah, okay. Stockpiles, he wants to be paid back for stockpiles, which in an international sort of diplomacy thing is kind of like nickel and diming you to death. Yep, that, that's him. He's got to make some money on this somehow, you know? It's just, He's got to get money paid back. just... Go ahead, keep going, because you haven't even gotten to the good oh, part. Oh, no, yet. there's more. There's plenty more. There's more. He's also going to ask Congress to pass a bill establishing that there are only two genders recognized by the United States. Hold on. This all sounds as though it's coming directly from him, and you said in the beginning that some of it is him, and some of it is this 2025 organization. This was him. This was him. Okay. He said that he will declare that hospitals and healthcare providers that offer... Transitional hormones or surgery no longer meet federal health and safety standards and will be blocked from receiving federal funds, including Medicaid and Medicare. Okay. So, yeah, he's going to punish medical providers. Which is going to punish Medicaid and Medicare patients. Yep. Because where are they going to go? He would also push the, uh, Congress to prohibit hormonal or surgical intervention for transgender minors in all 50 states. Okay. Even though we know... Surgery is not performed on minors. No, no, okay. He also wants to have the lowest cost energy and electricity of any nation in the world. So he's going to ramp up oil drilling on public lands and offer tax breaks to oil, gas, and coal producers. Because those companies don't get enough tax tax breaks already. How is it not completely transparent to everybody? It, but I, they, it they just, ignore it. It's just, it's, I'm going back to the very first thing you said about him getting rid of college students who post and are guilty of posting or expressing anti-American views. There is nothing more anti-American than getting rid of somebody for being anti, for expressing anti-American views. Exactly. Exactly. That's the point. That was the reason why they went across the ocean. Okay. That's why the courts let the Nazis march in Skokie. You have to allow unpopular speech. Under the First Amendment. Yeah. You know? And I I personally am grateful for it because... Yes. Now that I... You know, and I, and I always thought that he's going to just ideologically talk himself into a pit that he can't get out of. But he has no ideology. It's whatever benefits him. Whatever protects him. Uh, yeah. I, I suppose in this case, fascism isn't an ideology to... This is... His, he's for. just playing... It's a way to protect himself and make sure he gets what he wants. Yep. Is by being fascist. Yeah. Uh, but there's more. Uh, 
Wait, there's more. There's more. What's a steak knife? He's also going to roll back Biden administration efforts to encourage the adoption of electric cars and reverse proposed new pollution limits that will require at least 54% of new vehicles sold in the United States to be electric by 2030. Thank you, Big Oil. He will also exit the Paris Climate Accords. Again. And uh, win subsidies and eliminate regulations that target incandescent light bulbs, gas stoves, dishwashers, and shower heads. For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. He has also pledged to terminate the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. Well, they've been trying to do that for years. He would pu push the federal government to give funding preferences to state and school districts, to states and school districts that abolish teacher tenure, adopt merit pay to reward good teachers, and allow the direct election of school principals by parents. I can't. No, no. You got your school board elected and consisted mostly or largely of parents. They should not be they should not be deciding who's in charge from building to building. They should not. No kidding. Of course not. <laughs> okay, but that distracted me from something else, which was Oh, God, now I'm being further distracted. He has also said that he would cut funding for any school that has a vaccine or mask man mandate and will work to, pro to promote prayer in public schools. Jeez. He also is vowing to fight for, quote-unquote, patriotic education. He said that under his administration, schools will teach students to love their country, not to hate their country like they're taught right now, and will promote the nuclear family, including the roles of mothers and fathers, and the things that make men and women different and unique. Okay. You have inside sex organs. I have outside sex organs. The end. Also, to protect students, he's going to support school districts that allow trained teachers to can carry concealed weapons. Oh, I was waiting for that one. And he would also provide federal funding so schools can hire veterans, retired police officers, and other trained guards as armed school guards. All right. Well, that's going to help unemployment. Because that cop who's retired for whatever reason, yeah, maybe he put in his 25, maybe he got shot and limps so he can't work as a cop anymore, but he'll protect your kids. Yeah. He can't run, but he'll protect your kids. Of course he will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, okay. Well, like I said, there's I more. Say, the tenure thing, going back to the teacher thing, tenure is sort of like implied immunity. I kind of don't like the smell of it from the beginning. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's sort of kind of uh, sketchy. What, tenure? Tenure, implied immunity. Anything that says that you've done enough to prove that you that we're not going to come after you, uh, we believe you owe everything else, uh, that kind of thing, okay. sort of, to me, is creepy. Why is it creepy? Because because it's a, it's creates an us and a them. How? Because we are tenured. We are uh, patriots. We are the good people, and they tenure is nothing. Is it's about the amount of time you have worked as a teacher, not about your patriotism. What what what? Uh, I'm using one as an illustration of the other, but but um, let's move on because I I think tenure gives teachers a certain guarantee of employment. Well, yeah. Okay, that's sort of the same thing as guarantee as implied immunity. Uh, two different concepts. Two different concepts. Ha, uh, could, could uh, we can't even that? get into that one now. Let's move on. All right. Let's just move on.
Okay. But anyway, for the homeless problem, Trump wants to uh, build tent cities on large open parcels parcels of land. Whose land? Probably federal land, I would assume. I don't know. He can't do it on state land if a state doesn't want it. Yeah, okay. But who knows? He also said that he will work with states to ban urban camping, giving violators a choice of being arrested or receiving medical treatment. Hold on. Are you done with that, with that particular point yet? Not yet. Go ahead. Because he also wants to bring back large mental institutions to re-institutionalize those who are severely mentally ill or dangerously deranged. Okay, okay. There's a couple of things here. First of all, he wants to go, he wants to build 10 cities. Yes. But he wants to outlaw urban camping. Yes. So where are the homeless? It'll probably be on federal lands. But where are the homeless that he's talking about? In the cities. Right. Okay. Okay. So now I don't necessarily disagree with that last thing. With what thing? What the last thing was. What about the mental institutions? The mental institutions. I yeah. Hold on for a second. Oh uh, yeah. You need to look at some like documentaries from like the sixties and seventies about mental institutions. Hold on a second. We are talking about the ones about the conditions in the mental institutions and how they were run and ba 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 ba. Yeah. Okay. What I'm talking about is Reagan taking comp- all the financing away from mental institutions and places where people could go get help. He took all the public funding away from that. And that is now, aside from how they were run or not, there are certain people who need to be psychiatrically hospitalized. Oh, there's no denying that. Okay. And it, and it well, what he's talking about is just basically putting any person with a alleged mental illness, just throw them in these large mental institutions. They're not going to receive any treatment there. It's just going to be like another jail. Okay. If it was if it was something about sending a person to where there was treatment, that was the idea that was that Ronald Reagan put a stop to. He yeah. didn't want to finance it. No. Okay. So now you have Cops dealing with psychiatric patients. The psychiatric patients flooded the streets. Of course. The training for the cops followed decades later. Holy shit, we have this new population. How the fuck do we deal with this? So that's why this... I, I don't... I think that people who are, who need to be hospitalized should be hospitalized. Yes. I think that as a, as a culture... We should... But treated. Yes. Of not just treated. housed and no. defined. Nobody should be And just that's what I'm afraid housed. he is talking about with these r- large institutions. Now, I've got to tell you, I believe why you believe that that's what he's talking about. I believe it sells. I believe the idea of uh, crazy people sleeping in wooden bunk beds along a, a freezing barn. Look at the documentary Geraldo Rivera did back in like the 70s. Why? When he, he, did, he did like an investigation of one of these mental hospitals yeah there's another doc there's a documentary called the titty cut follies there's about undercover filming of a mental institution horrible things horrid conditions people took advantage of and people yes there were also probably a couple of people who were helped by these by these places if they got treatment who at least were treated decently and 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 treated for their illness yeah okay in a couple of places Okay, we're not talking about the horrible boys' school for bad boys. Yeah, or whatever these. And they're every, they're in every state. They're all over the place. Okay, I have no problem with that issue. My problem is I don't think that's what Trump has in mind. I believe you're probably right, and I believe he's he's using it as a dog whistle thing. Yep, he's also and this earring on what? 
Are you wearing an earring? I always have an earring on. Do you really always have that, that yep. diamond stud? Yes, I do. All right, go ahead. He also has been advised and plans to invoke the Insurrection Act. Of, oh, I heard about this. So this way he can send the National Guard to quell any kind of dissent or Protest. trouble in any cities or anywhere. Right, 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 right. He also plans to... When he gets elected. When he gets elected. I mean, they're talking about he's going to invoke it on, uh, on day one. On day one. And to protest specifically election protests. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. He also plans to use a federal government's funding and prosecution authorities to strong on local governments. He says will require local law enforcement agencies that receive Justice Department grants to use controversial police measures such as stop and frisk. Yeah, they like that. He goes, as a deterrent, he goes, local police should be empowered to shoot suspected shoplifters in the act. Now, I know shoplifting has been a rampant problem in the past year. But you know what caused that? Ooh, we know what caused that, yeah. Uh, all right, are you going to say it or you want me to say it? You can say it. it. now we have to say it. You can say it. Self-checkout. <laughs> well, that's already being looked at, too. That's a whole other news story. That's but there's also been these reports of gangs of young people attacking these stores and robbing they, them, basically. They've always, you know? done they've always done that. No, no, you haven't always done that. This has only been happening in the past year or so. I don't know. I, 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 you, we'll, we'll go in there. You just them, I'll take all the shit and then we'll run out. No, that's not this. They're going in there en masse and going in there and taking stuff and en masse. And then just running out. And running out. Well, you know what? Go ahead. He also, as we said to before, he wants the Justice Department to investigate anyone who was critical of his time in office. Jesus. He's, a, he's vowed to appoint a special prosecutor to go after President Biden and his family. Then, this Saturday, on Veterans Day, he gave a speech. And in this speech, he said, In honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and the American dream. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Now, which Hitler, Mussolini, Peron speech goes word for word? That's thing. He didn't improvise this. This was a speech that was on a teleprompter. And those are not his words. It was, I'm sure, a speech written for him. Yeah. And he, I'm sure he approved it. Oh, of course he approved it. But and it then he reposted it on his Truth Social yeah. site. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not... And what's killing me is the news media is like saying, oh, he's making like these fascist-like statements. No, no, no. The man has declared himself a fascist. The man has declared yeah. himself he has no respect for the law, the Constitution, for anyone. He would never call himself a fascist. Of course not. But... That's why he cites them when he calls people out as among yeah. the vermin. Well, that's the thing. He's, pro he's projecting himself onto other... The use of the word vermin is very specific. Oh, yeah. And I can refer people... I'm going to put this on the bonus materials. There was a Nazi propaganda film called The Eternal Jew. And it specifically talks about how the Jews were the vermin infesting German society. Beyond the Jews, and it, uh, which is clear, that particular word, when used against a segment of a population, has really sinister. Well, he used it. He used it once before in 2018 in reference to immigrants. Now he's expanded it to basically anyone who doesn't agree with him. Who doesn't agree with him and leftist. 
thugs. Yeah. And it's just, like I said, it's killing me that the news media is not calling him out for the fascist that he is. It's like, where is our Edward R. Murrow moment? Uh, yeah. when, when Murrow finally called out Joe McCarthy. Where there's, is that moment? There's nobody that that percentage of the population trusts. Unfortunately, no. So we, there's no Edward R. Murrow. There's no more Mr. Rogers. Well, what's also killing me is between this culmination of his statements into this and the embrace by the House of House Republicans of Mike Johnson, who voted to basically support Trump's objections to the election. Huh. The, the Republican Party is lost. It is no longer the Republican Party. No, it's it is not. a cult of personality surrounded by Trump. But what I'm saying is all of them, every single one of them. I don't think, I mean, there are, come on, Mitt Romney, that's why Mitt Romney, he's stepping out. Again, nothing to lose, a reputation above reproach. Yes. Really, pretty much. Uh, whether or not you agree with his politics, which it's I It's a different don't, story, which I don't either. But as a person, he has upheld himself. Yeah. He has been reasonable. There have been very few Republicans like because they don't exist, in the, they've been purged from the party. Yeah, yeah, they got rid of, what's his name's daughter? Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney. You know what she should do? She should run third party. She has talked about that. I don't know if she's going to or not. She should run third party because... In the meantime, you have fucking Joe Manchin now, who's not running for his Senate election, but is teasing now about running as a third party candidate. What? It's like, who's going to vote for you, you stupid fuck? He called himself a Democrat. Yeah. Firmly implanted in the Republican majority. Like, he... He's a Republican. Yeah. He went in, He ran in West Virginia. He's, a, he's another fucking rich millionaire center, a senator. We have enough of the, We have already have enough of those. We don't need one for president again, you know? Well, we're going to end up with somebody who's at least a millionaire. Well, yeah, I know. Seems like all of them are, which is another... Because you can't run for president unless you are. I know. That's what AOC like, ain't right? running for president? No, that's for sure. And if she was running for president, she'd have all kind of money behind her. <laughs> Yeah, she probably would. She, you know, unless you're that kind of, I don't know. But I just don't understand how this Republican Party, no one, no barely one. anyone is, Chris Christie is like the only voice of opposition out Chris there Christie. against him. Chris Christie. He's like the only one you hear out there. Yeah. I, Everyone else, even the other people who are running for president saying, well, if I don't get the nomination and Trump, get, and Trump gets it, I'm going to support him. If Chris Christie loosened up a little bit, leaned a little little bit further left. And, and for Chris Christie, not much. I know. He would be a viable third party, too. Well, I... Sl- I what you gotta get is a reasonable Republican. I still remember him as the bully governor of Jersey, you know? Right, right. But I, that's why I say he's gotta lean a little bit into the into the, you know, northeastern sort of... I don't, I don't even know what I want to say. I don't know either. You know, that... that <laughs> There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people from a lot of different places living a lot of different lives. So we have to recognize that. And yeah. Sort of. And I think people from our area expanded to places like New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. Understand that. Yeah. I would. I. I would vote for Chris Christie if he would. If he would tighten his ass just a little bit. Not literally. <laughs> Figuratively, you mean. I don't. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> he, he settles very easily into the Republican white privilege. Yes. And I'd like to see less of that. Of course. It doesn't necessarily, less of that does not necessarily point me toward Joe Biden. Well, that's the next issue. Number one, maybe I'm biased because I'm just anyone, 
anyone besides Trump. I can't. There's no I way agree. I, or any Republican. I can't support. I agree. Because even without Republican as the candidate, if it was any other candidate, I still wouldn't support them because I see what their party has become. Right. Biden, as much as they talk about his age and everything and his inf supposed infirmities, the guy appears to be functioning well. The government's running. He knows who the president of Turkey is as opposed to who Trump thought it was. At the very least. He got the guy right. He got the country wrong. He had Viktor Orban of, of president Hungary. of Turkey. He's the president of Hungary. Right, right, right. Uh, but no, no one focuses on Trump's infirmities. They only focus on Biden's. Yeah, it depends on who you're, who you're listening to. But plenty of people are focusing on Trump being incompetent and infirm. But it doesn't even matter be, anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, and so is he's a seven, they're both 70-year-old people. Well, no, he's, okay. Trump, uh, Biden's 80. Is he 80? I think he's 80 now. He's 80 and Trump is 77. I thought it was more like 78 and 74. No, 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 not at all. That's what I mean. There's only three but, years of but, but difference he's, between he's, them. He, what the point is made is that an aging human makes mistakes. Of course. Forgets things. And he's made mistakes. God knows we know that. Uh, you know, Joe Biden forgets things. He maybe stumbles. Maybe his day isn't going so well. So, you know, he can't see the headlights at night. But as far as I'm concerned, he helped this country recover economically after the uh, the pandemic. Ukraine would already be in Russian hands if it wasn't for the U.S. You know what happens is, is Democratic presidents seem to, the last three, let's say, Democratic presidents, and you could even go back as far as Carter, yeah. Inherited disasters. Yes, they inherited by Republicans. Yes, they did. And yeah, the Democrats always seem to be the ones who have to clean it up. Who have to come in and fix it. And then after they fix it, the Republicans come back in again. But this is the American electorate. I know. It, it's crazy. But because uh, Barack Obama, forget that he was, forget that he had a black wife, forget that he had two black children. He came into what George Bush drove into the ground. Yeah, yeah. He should run third party. No, he's definitely Obama, not. he can only serve two terms as president. Yeah, and, and he wouldn't appeal to enough of the right. <laughs> Michelle's Michelle even wouldn't appeal to enough of the uh, enough of the right. We need a Republican who is not insane. Yeah, but they're for they could win. But they won't get their party support anymore because it's not their Republican Party anymore. Which means another four with Uncle Joe, which may turn into another any number up to four with Uncle Joe and the rest with Kamala. Yeah, um, I don't think Kamala will, unless hypothetically, if Biden's elected president. I think that's the only way she'll become president is is if Biden dies. Is if he dies, I don't think she would ever be elected president unless the election happens and they're reelected again, and she makes much bigger splashes in Biden too than she did. In she Biden have to because she hadn't done. Well, it wouldn't take her much. Well, yeah, she can only go up. Yeah, she she has. We can only know. go up, <laughs> which is you know theoretically, I think they tell you, that's the kind of the vice president's job is to support the president quietly in the shadows. Don't take the spotlight away of from us. And it's like that with the royalties, too, I'm thinking. Probably. You know, because um, the whole thing with Harry and Meghan, I don't oh, know. Here we go. About this whole fucking thing. <laughs> right, I don't even, even, even start on that, please. We're talking about fascism. All I know is, after I heard that speech by, by Trump, I became more terrified than ever of what this country faces. 
Vermin is scary. Yeah, it really is. That single word, it's it, scary. It's, it, it, it's very scary. And it lays out exactly where his head is. That's why when I read like some interview with Barbara Streisand, they asked, would you stay in the country if he's re-elected? She's like, no, I'd probably move to England. And I'm like, honey, we'll be next door in Ireland. We'll have to have lunch sometime. Because I, I, I can't see us staying here during a sen- second Trump presidency. Your marriage would be... Nullified. Nullified. Eventually. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you have posted posted so much anti-Trump. A couple of tray, a, a couple of things Please. that may be the most rabid Trump fan might could <laughs> not like. Yes, I am a rabid a anti- little bit. I am a rabid anti-fascist. What can I say? With fascist leanings. Who me? Yeah, because you you want to you want to be in charge of everything. No, I don't. Yeah, I want someone else to take care of it all. I just want to do theater. You're That's all, all I want. All right, all right. I just want to do theater. <laughs> Yeah, we're talking about how that's working for either of us. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to talk about what you call Prince William or Prince Harry, and we're not going to talk about this. So what's next? Oh, you want to move on to our next segment? I really then? do. I really, really do. Are you done with fascism? Yeah, I think we're done with it. I think we discussed it enough. Uh, enough. I only just wish people would listen and learn. They will. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you, you have, you're more optimistic than I am at this point. Hey, folks. It's Patrick here. That's the end of part one of this week's episode. Part two will be released on Wednesday, November 22nd, the day before Thanksgiving. We'll see you then.